0: Uh, we're going to be doing Colossians 4. This won't take us that long today. And so we're going to go into another book, which was written by Paul in the same time, uh, the year 19, the year 60, uh, 60 AD, thereabouts. Give or take a year on, that's when the bulk of these were written that we've just gone through. This will be the last of them written during this particular time, Colossians. And then Philemon, a very short book, but exceptionally important. So here we have to start chapter four of Colossians with a sigh and a shake of our heads, because the fellow who divided the Bible into chapters did a rather odd job of it, uh, only to be taught in odd oddness, oddity, by the one who broke it up into verses. Here's a we start chapter four with a, a verse that very obviously belongs back in chapter three, where he's talking about slaves and masters and husbands and wives and children. So he says, masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. So both the slaves and the masters were to remember their master in heaven and treat each other with fairness, generosity, uh, and with the spirit of Christ. And so again, if that rubs you the wrong way. I, I can understand that, but please go back to the Monday morning messages where we did a series, of believe, of four on what the Bible says about slavery. I think it'll take away some of the pain and angst, but it won't take it all away because we weren't, we're not pro-slaves. Uh, we, and even if it's pro-servants, that kind of, that kind of can get to us pretty quick. So check that out if you haven't already. Then further instructions. Uh, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. He's still under house arrest. Uh, sounds cushy, but it wasn't. It's pretty rough. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Mind the way you speak. Mind the way you behave. The way we speak and behave should be be like that of Christ. And crowds followed him, not to hear rules, not to hear condemnation, but to be around someone who loved them and showed them grace. Be that. Be that person, and then there are a bunch of personal things he writes here. We'll go through this rather quickly. Any good commentary or uh, any any companion, for example, the Oxford Companion, they'll go into the names uh, more deeply than I will here. Tychicus will tell you all about the news about me. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant and a lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and he may encourage your hearts. He's coming with one, Onesimus. We're going to hear that name again. Our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. That's going to be really important here pretty soon. They will tell you everything that is happening here. Why didn't Paul just write it down? He's under house arrest post letters were not secure. And I would imagine his jailers are, are checking and if not, they could at any time intercept and check. It was routine. We at our safe Harbor have a very active presence, uh, through the, the hard work of some of our members over the years in the Louisiana state penitentiary, even on death row. And every week, you know, I'm on the phone with people. Um, they're getting our church, um, our, our um, the sermon notes. That's what I wanted to say. Plus, they're getting a little 30 second snippets of video from our worship that um, Tammy Matthews is able to cut and get to them. They emails back and forth, but every single phone call and every single email comes up the warnings. You are in touch. You are talking to an incarcerated individual. At this prison, everything you say can be recorded. Every email can be read. Okay. And so there are some things he's not going to put in his letters. He'll send that through the mouth of spokespeople. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the the cousin of Barnabas. You've received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. So it's not the Jesus you're thinking of. Jesus was one of the most common names in that century. So um, we, it's nice that whenever they add, well, this is the one we're talking about. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm and all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Heropolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor. Yeah, that Luke. He was a doctor and an artist. He was quite an individual. Uh, and Dima send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. Please remember, they didn't have buildings. They met in people's homes like our church does. And uh, whether it's a single person watching on their device or whether they it's a family or two we we know of some that have up to four and five families in their house watching at a time and then they'll split off and you know we, we found recently that in one city in the Northwest we've got three house churches that are in that same one that same city that's the way it was in the first several centuries so, He he goes on, after this letter's been read to you, see, it's also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. We don't have that one, we don't think. We certainly don't have one that looks like it was a letter to the Laodiceans. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work you've received in the Lord. We have no idea. We're reading someone else's mail. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains, grace be with you all. Paul did not write physically his books Um, as a, you know, as far as we know, he didn't ever do that, but he did make a point of writing at the end and would say, now this lets you know now that this is me. So it's rather like a signature, a mark that lets him know that they're not reading a forgery and forgeries did exist. Um, There is no question about that. And they would exist again. People would still be, finding uh, a gospel of Peter or Judas or whatever written hundreds of years after that person had died. So it was nice to have these little things in there that says, all right, now, you know, this one's for me. Philemon, this is very short, but an amazing, wonderful, practical book that really shows how to apply some of what he was talking about in the letter to Colossae and the real ground paul a prisoner of christ jesus and timothy our brother to philemon our dear friend and fellow worker to afia our sister to Archippus, there he is our fellow sur- soldier and to the church that meets in your home so maybe sent to nympha then uh because we know she had a house church could be somebody else's but regardless um Philemon is the target of this one. So it's probably his house. Um, Regardless, doesn't really matter. We know he's got several there. Setting you up because it gets really good. Are you ready? I always thank my God for you. First of all, it says grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's always good when you get a letter from an apostle, especially one who has been abrasive. Uh, We've read Galatians that starts off by saying, hey, it's all good. It's all good. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. And I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. And I have to say that to you. There are, uh, generally speaking, somewhere between three and 600 people that will listen to the midweek Bible uh, class on YouTube. We have others that listen on Vimeo or through the Tidely app or through Facebook and the like. That doesn't trip the counter. So I know many of you are a faithful core who have sent in, you know, $5 or $500, but you also pray for us and you've sent emails in and you've made comments that let us know that you're out there and that you handing us these gifts are very precious. We don't, we don't put them in bricks except for, and we made it very, we, we always, we want people to know that we're having to rent an office now. And you see it here, it's a thousand dollars a month and we wish that we didn't, but that's kind of a minimum, you know, everything else is being taken care of soundstage doesn't cost us a penny. The utilities there don't cost us a penny. And there are a lot of wonderful things, but thank you for giving. Thank you so much. It means so much to us. By the way, if you want to be a member, uh, all you have to do is send an email to info at rsafeharbor.com. Info at oursafeharbor.com with your name, address, email, and telephone number. We do not hassle you. Uh, You will get one email a week and that's our newsletter. You'll have to look for it because half the time it goes in people's junk, even in my own, goes in the junk file. I do not know why, and we can't stop it. But that's about all that you'll hear from us unless you want to hear more. All right. That said, you've refreshed us. Therefore, although, Paul says, although in Christ, I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. Hi, Philemon. This just got interesting philemon's a a house owner he's got um, some soldiers available evidently and but he's also got ministers around him the church around him he's got he's got prestige Uh, he's got some money he's got some power and paul's walking up to him and says i have the right in christ to order you to do something which you ought to do anyway so i'm going to give you the opportunity to make the right decision which is one bathed in love Do you think that would get your attention gone okay he goes i appeal to you on the basis of love i then paul an old man and now also a prisoner of christ jesus i appeal to you for my son onesimus where have we heard that name oh colossians 4. being a bearer of this letter what we call the book of colossians One of the bearers is a man named Onesimus. And here Paul is saying, I come to you on behalf of my brother, my son, Onesimus, who became my son when I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, Philemon, but now he's become useful both to you and to me. And now we get to see a little bit of what was going on in Colossians 3 when we were going along so swimmingly well and talking about singing and overflowing with the love of God, only to hit this bump, slaves, here's how you should behave. And and going, oh, that's uncomfortable. Yeah, we don't like that one very much at all. You know, can we back out of that, please, sir? Now we know. Because the bearer of this letter is going to go to the house of Nympha and that church, but eventually, is this is gonna get brought over to Philemon, but Philemon's getting his own letter. And it's about a slave that was not well-behaved. Paul even says he was just useless. Uh, We don't know the why, we don't know the motivations. You know, if you're a soldier and you're taken prisoner, you have an obligation to be useless. You have an obligation to be a thorn in her side, an obligation to try to escape. I don't know what was going on with Onesimus, but he was not behaving as Paul said he should have in Colossians 3. And Paul's going to make sure that Philemon behaves as Paul says he must in Colossians 3 and chapter 4. He says, I'm sending him who is my very heart. Notice he's called him my son, very useful for us. This man is my very heart. I would have liked to keep him with me so he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. There are many commentators. I haven't read enough to be able to tell you whether it's a majority or not, but it is certainly widespread opinion that Paul here is sticking a fork between the ribs of Philemon. It seems as if Philemon should have come to visit him should have sent money or food or books or something to help Paul in his imprisonment, but did not. And so he's saying, I, you know, I really love this Onesimus. He's my son, my very heart. He could have stayed here because he was supplying for me what you should have. That's Philemon, sit down. This is gonna be hard. I did not want to do anything without your consent. So he's saying, listen, I'm not, you're, you're, you have some choices to make here. So that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. <laughs> oh, come on, people. Uh, you know, there were some rolled eyes in the room when that was read out and trying not to let Philemon see that and looking at each other going, uh, okay spontaneous. Here's what you should do. The Apostle Paul comes into your room. You know something? I could force you, but I'm going to see if you're going to do the right thing. And I'm going to lay it right in front of you and give you the opportunity to spontaneously do good. (laughs) I mean, the levels of this thing its just amazing. It's hilarious and terrifying all on the same level. It's quoting whether you're a hearer or the target as to which one of those it is. I don't want, you know, I'm going to leave this up to you, entirely up to you, whether you're going to do the right thing or not, whether you're going to accept the person I love so much, I even call him my son, or whether you're going to enslave him and treat him poorly. I mean, you yeah, know, it's really all up to you. And I, I want it to come out of the overflow of your heart. So <laughs> I love this stuff. I really do. Perhaps, Paul says, it, it, it keeps going. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was so that you could have him back for good. No no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. What in the world? Oh, oh. I'll help you there. The word dear is an interesting word. Now, in the American English, it, it really just means you know, close to one's heart. You may call your sweetheart, your wife, your husband, dear. You may call little ones in your family, dear, or dear ones, or these dear little children. That's all it means. Now, in British English, it means that. But it also means expensive, more so than it should be. So let's say I'm going to buy some meat in the market and I go up to it and I'm expecting this price, but it's way above that. And I'm going, oh, that's too dear. That means that's overpriced. That's more valuable. It's more expensive than I'm ready for. So he's saying, Onesimus, he was really good to me. He was dear to me. But he might end up costing you more. So he's using both forms of the word dear here. And again, we're using English, and he wrote in Greek, so we don't want to overstate that. But it's fun; it, it is really fun to watch this unroll. He's he's even more valuable to you, I really beyond worth. Right? It's just you can't even imagine. We have no way of placing a value on this. It's so high to you as a man and as a brother in the Lord. Step up Philemon, you're gonna put your Jesus on, you're gonna be Christian, you're gonna do the right thing all out of the spontaneous love of your own heart. So, Paul says, if you consider me a partner, oh dear. You notice how this this is not getting easier. If you consider me as a partner, welcome him, Onesimus, as you would welcome me. Oh dear, we've now hit that same thing we're running in Colossians. Forgive as you want to be forgiven, accept as you've been accepted. This entire thing of, let's raise our standards here, people. Let us start leaping over the high bar and being exceptionally forgiving, gracious, and kind. He goes, if he's done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. Did you get that? There's an echo there and it shouldn't remind you if you're a church person, it probably reminds you of the good Samaritan who who took the Jewish man who'd been robbed and beaten and took care of him, took him to an inn, paid for him and said, if there are any extra expenses, charge it to me when I come back. Paul may have used those words, but that's not what he means. Because it seems that Philemon should have shown up where Paul was in prison, should have put some money on the table to help him, should have, should have, didn't. So Paul is saying, um, you know, I want you to receive him like he would receive me. And he, oh, by the way, if him being your slave, running away, and you have to go try find him. Maybe he paid for slave hunters. I don't don't know. Those people certainly existed. That profession certainly existed. And the population, by the way, were under orders to report if they saw a slave who had run away. If you didn't, uh, according to who was in charge of that particular region in in the Roman Empire, it could be a death penalty. So uh, people were very you know, eyes open trying to find these slaves. You didn't want community and the culture to break down. So you had to obey the government. That's the way they looked at it. So he's saying, all right, may have cost you some for some of the hunters and you had to replace him in the household for a while. But uh, hey, just, you can just charge that to me because I must have an awful lot of money because you didn't need to send me anything to help me in my distress. And Paul here is not an event, you know, one of these TV evangelists of, you know, don't make me holler, don't make me shout, just turn them pockets inside out. He's not, he's not you know, reaching them jeans and pull out the greens. He's not just money, money, money. Legitimately, when you were a prisoner there, as in many countries to this very day, uh, a few years ago I was in Panama and I saw it there. You don't eat if the family doesn't bring you food. You don't have shoes if the family doesn't bring you shoes, clothes, soap, anything. There's, there's not a way that you could just send in money and they could go buy it from the commissary. No, he's under house arrest. People have to go out and bargain and find ways to bring him daily necessities. And he's saying, um, you can charge it to me. There's no way in the world Philemon would ever, ever do that. And Paul knows it. He goes, I, Paul, I'm writing this with my own hand. I'll pay it back. In other words, here's my IOU. You've got it now. Not to mention. Have you ever noticed something? When somebody says not to mention, what is the very next thing they do? They mention it. You might have thought Paul had backed Philemon into kind of a corner here. He has. But in that corner, there is something else, a trapdoor. And Paul's about to pull the lever. You ready? I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. Hmm? Well, what's that? Well, there's a lot of speculation and early Christian writers speculated as well somewhere that um, paul was the one who taught philemon the gospel very possible uh, it could be that paul saved philemon from the roman clutches at uh, one time or another very possible we don't know what it is but there's been a marker out there there has been a debt chit out there and paul is calling it in he's he's saying all right i i do wish brother he goes on that i might have some benefit from you in the lord so is he about to hit him up for some money he goes no refresh my heart in christ you be christ philemon to Onesimus, and you're being christ to me and you owe me nothing you you don't need to send me money you don't need to send me food i'll, I'll live or i'll die What you do owe, though, is you owe me your very life because, let's say, I taught you the gospel, but for whatever reason, what I demand from you now is not money, not for you to do what you should have done, but you didn't do. I'm demanding from you that you refresh my heart in Christ by being Christ to your servants, your slaves, and you look upon them as your brothers. So that line in the great Christmas carol that is sung every year Sometimes omitting this first for reasons I don't understand. It's one of the best ones. It goes, for the slave is our brother. Yeah. The slave is our brother now. Changes everything. Paul then goes, confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. You know, you should. You should, Philemon, and we should as well. How much do you owe that neighbor that's a real problem? How much do you owe that relative that's a real problem? Now you do not owe them the right to ruin your life. You you don't, all right? If your neighbor is blasting music 24 seven, parking on your yard and throwing garbage over the fence, it's quite fine to constantly alert the authorities or even go to court. But most of our neighbors aren't that like that. Most of our neighbors are either really good or they're invisible or some are mildly annoying. But how are you gonna treat them? How over the top can you be to go even beyond what you've been asked to do or ordered to do? And he goes one more. Oh, one thing more. He actually said, and one thing more. Prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers." In other words, Philemon, I think you're a good person, and I think you're praying for me. So get a room ready. When you pray that Paul get released, you should be ready for Paul to be released. Let him come on in, and um, let Paul and Philemon sit down there and not have to talk about this. He goes on, Epaphras, "'My fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus sends you greetings, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers, same crew, same crew we already met, because it's at the same time these are written, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, short book, what a fascinating book, an amazing book, so a little bit shorter lesson today, under a half hour instead of the usual, you know, 40 minutes-ish, So if um, that upsets you, you can't apply for a refund. You will need three copies. It's a a complicated thing. God bless you for blessing us. And God bless you for wanting to know a little bit more about his story. And I hope that you will never think of Philemon or Onesimus without a grin on your face and a determination to uh, spontaneously do the right thing before you get cornered by Paul. All right. God bless.